Our text is verse 36 of John chapter 8. If the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. Beautiful promise that Jesus makes. Congregation of Jesus Christ, we are looking this afternoon at that sense of freedom. And in our culture, it, it has a, a particular form as we think about this term, freedom. If I were to ask you who is in charge of your life, well, you would say, of course, I am. I'm in charge of my life. And if I would ask you, but who tells you what to do? Well, of course, you decide what you want to do. And so our sense of, of personal freedom, autonomy, is very strong. We went a little further. If, if we began to discuss, too, what what makes or who, who gives the, the kind of framework that, that your choices are, are valid and, and true or are they just self-indulgent? And again, the, the, the general sense of, well, we are free to choose based on the values that we hold. And so there, there is, a, is a real sense of, of we are free. I, I just decide stuff. I am free to do whatever I think is right and whatever I like. I am free. That, that comes up very much in our dear neighbors to the south when even in their, their anthem, they are the land of the free, the United States of America. And what is it about them? Free. They are free. And so that sense of, of freedom, a free people, and they, they want to defend freedom, uh, freedom in this world, freedom of speech, freedom of religion, free from excessive government surveillance, individual rights and freedoms. Big, big thought, big concept. Yeah. That's, that's the presence, that's the, the presentation that we find around us. So we feel and we say, I am free. So then Jesus' words here in John chapter 8 are ridiculous. Because we are free. So why do we need to be set free? We are free. We are not slaves. So we would, we would have the same thought even as, as the Jews that Jesus is speaking to here uh, respond. We have never been slaves. So we are free. That, that reality is addressed in this passage and needs to be addressed in our day because it's a lie. The, the sense of freedom that's presented in our culture, in the U.S. anthem, is a lie. That reality needs to be challenged. Or that, 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 that wrong understanding needs to be challenged. And it's a huge mind and, and, and worldview kind of shift. To admit that we are not free 
to admit that we have given control over to others and that we are in fact controlled and enslaved. The strong push, the, the, the strong effort to, to declare we are free is in, in a way the strength of it is, is a sign that it's, it's wrong. It's, it's held to and pushed so strongly, but it's not the case. We take on values, likes, dislikes, approaches, attitudes of all those around us, and we are not free in ourselves. Just a few common examples. The influence of peers. Our choices are dictated by friends and colleagues. It's huge how those around us act influences us. Simple example, you're with your colleagues and they are in the habit of going out for lunch. Well, you are free to go with them. Or do you take a bag lunch? and stay and enjoy a peanut butter sandwich while you go along. The pressure is there, the influence. And you aren't really deciding. You end up going. If you, if you have a phone that's working fine, that does what you want, but those around you are getting new phones, and showing you, wow, this and that. Are you free just to say, I'm fine? Or do you feel pushed? You have to join. The pressure is there. How do you spend your time? How do you spend your money? What do you make a priority? It is very clearly... Uh, shown sociology, psychology, whether you drink or smoke is often dictated by those around you. If they smoke, you smoke. If they don't, you don't. But you're free to do what you want. But you do what is going on around you. You are a slave to it, not free. The influence of society in general is also exceptionally strong. I do what I want, you say, but we are being controlled by media, by celebrities, by journalists. We buy products because we see them advertised. We want to have what others have or do what others do. And there is the thought of just following along the thought of not following along is, is very hard, very hard for us. We are drawn in, caught up. I think, too, of the, the hairstyle fad now, right? I'm not sure if some of you are thinking of moving in this direction. Where does this come from? Yeah, it's, it's out there. People see it, and they think, well, I have to do that. I want to do that? 
I'm not sure if I want it, but I have to do that. And you are, you are drawn along, drawn in, caught up. The most underlying influence is here described in John chapter 8, where it says in verse 44 that you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out his desires. There is no truth in him. He continues to lie. That reality is is expressed in various places in the Bible, that that is the underlying influence, that's the underlying slavery that we encounter. There is, in Revelation chapter 12, verse 9, it says, the devil leads the whole world astray. In 2 Timothy 2.26, the devil has taken them captive. And there's a there's a sense that, that the general picture, the general understanding of the culture is, is directed by the evil one. And so, so something like greed, which is completely pervasive in our culture. I need more and more, I want more and more, greed drives the economy. You'll hear some of these economists even say, greed is good. We cannot do without greed. People have to buy more and more and more. And that's the only way that we'll be able to keep the economy going and be happy. Where does that come from? There you have one of the underlying lies of the devil. That greed is the way. Instead of contentment and generosity, and we buy into that. Oh, greed is the way. And I'll get more and more. And that'll somehow help everybody else. And the lie seems to be so good. But to live differently, to live simply, to be generous. What's that? So we get drawn in as well. You also have within the, the, the sense of our culture too, the sense of anger and hatred and division, and it just seems normal. It seems normal. People get angry at each other. People, people split up in marriages, in families. This, this is just normal. And as you're going about your daily life, you are part of that. And so a, a whole sense of it's normal to fight. It's normal to walk out on each other. And it even enters into the church and the faith community. This is somehow normal. We don't forgive each other. We are not gracious to each other. But that's just okay. That's just the way it is. The lie of the devil continues to build itself in to our culture and into our lives. And that lie, as Jesus says, is the language of the devil. And he continues to draw people in by saying, this is how it's... this is just how it is. This is how it has to be. So, 
Jesus' words come against that lie of the devil, trying to get people here and even today to come to our senses. What is really true? What is life truly about? And so the sense of recognizing that we are not free. We are influenced in so many ways by the sinful desires of the devil. And we need to free ourselves in the sense of, of how, can we, how can we be set free? God, Jesus, has to set us free. That's why Jesus says, too, in John 12, verse 25, the man who loves his life, this life, the life in the world, will lose it, while the man who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. The sense of seeing and, and, and hating this life that's, that's so self-centered, not God-centered. And to give up the illusion that this is my life and I am in control, the sense Jesus is saying we need to lose that lie and we need to give our lives to God, to Jesus. And so he is expressing that as well here in John chapter 8, verse 36. Let the Son set you free, focusing on who Jesus is, what he has come to do, his central place in our lives. And then you will experience true life to live freely, which is living for him under the lordship of Christ, which is the hope of the gospel. That's also why in Lord's Day, question and answer 34, we call Jesus Lord. Why do we call him Lord? Because he sets us free from the sin, from the tyranny of the devil. That, that sense of making him Lord of our lives is the truly freeing step, putting our hope, our faith in him. So here are just some steps that will allow us to, to have that sense of taking charge of our life, being set free. And the first step is faith. You have to believe in Jesus. And that's what, what Jesus is trying to get across here. As he is expressing it to them, he is saying too, he is speaking clearly, he is the one sent from God. He is the one who will set us free from sin and, and to take hold of that, to pay attention to that, to see that God is at work, especially in Jesus, but even to see that God is at work in the world, that God is in charge. And as a result of faith, we will, we will grow in that understanding of God is in control. Jesus is Lord of my life. And that this truth will more and more guide us and lead us. It, it, it moves into the sense of purpose, step number two, that, that we must see the sense of the purpose of our lives is focused on Jesus and not on ourselves. So, so to get that focus, will I honor Jesus in what I'm doing? Will I be helping others in Jesus' name by doing this or that? Will I grow spiritually closer to Jesus as a result of making this choice or that choice? Key questions to turn us away from the lies of the devil in this world and to clearly focus us 
on our faith and our following Jesus as Lord, saying, Lord, be Lord of my life. Work out your purposes in me to your glory. And when we start to live that way, then we truly are free to do what our Lord wants us to do. Third step is self-control, that in our living out our faith, that we give up the activities that our peers draw us into, that society suggests that we step back from those efforts to control us, and that we set our mind, our hearts, our spirits on following the Lord Jesus. You find in, in living in this way too, that you, you are able to just rely on the strength of the Lord to guide you into truly living for Him. In our culture, there is a lot of thinking around freedom. We are free. And so even it, it impacts marriage, God's will for marriage. And people look at their marriage and they think, oh, I'm free to not be faithful to my marriage. I'll have an affair. And you read about that, see that, hear about that all over the place. I'm free. So they are drawn into the illusion of freedom and sin and misery out of God's will. And the devil brings ruin into our culture in the breakdown of marriage in so many ways. Just one example. If we remain in our Lord Jesus' will, accepting the purpose and place of marriage, the joy, the commitment, there is freedom. There is freedom. You don't, you don't have to wonder and worry about others or anything else. You are wonderfully cared for in your committed marriage relationship before God. That's freedom. Finally, the sense of grace, the grace of God. And that comes through here in the very specific aspect of family. And it's a beautiful aspect that comes here in John chapter 8, speaking about being a descendant of Abraham or being part of the family of God, uh, talking about being illegitimate children. The whole discussion begins to center around family. And Lord's Day 13 talks about being children of God. Question and answer 33. We are adopted children of God. So to even just to conclude with that, that understanding of, of seeing the Lordship of Christ and seeing ourselves as part of the family of God, to take that reality to heart to receive that identity by faith and to live it out honoring our Heavenly Father and our Lord Jesus. Sometimes the idea of adoption has negative undertones. Some people feel that they are never fully part of the family if they are adopted, but that's not the sense here at all. Rather, adoption is completely positive. Our adoption as sons and daughters of God in Jesus means we are fully part of the family. On a daily basis, we are under God's care, Jesus' lordship. 
And we also have a wonderful inheritance, co-heirs with Christ, an eternal home. To see ourselves there, that's, that's who we are. That's the truth of where we live each day as we put our faith, our hope in Jesus. In that sense, the Bible tells us we are all born into a dysfunctional family. When we are born into this world, we are born into a world of sin. And that's a broken and dysfunctional family. We are conceived and born in sin. And under the wrath of God, the devil has ruined our lives. But that initial condition is transformed by the grace and love of God in Jesus who comes to set aside, overcome the lies of the devil and to welcome us into the family of God, the family of faith. Sometimes you hear stories of people who want to adopt children. And they go and they look in far countries. They look in Haiti and they look in Eastern Europe and, and they try to find children that they would like to adopt. And, and in, in some of that discussion, there are instances where, where the family will say, uh, the parents will say to, we don't want to really adopt problem children. Like if the ch child is malformed, has a disability. We don't want that child. And if the child maybe has some alcoholic stuff, we, we don't want that child. We want a good child. We, wanna, we want just no problems in the child. God adopts us. God adopts us into his family, though we are we are seriously malformed. We are sinful. We are addicted to the drugs of this world. We are seriously mentally handicapped because we can't even think straight to know that the devil is dragging us to destruction. And yet, God in grace adopts us into his family. Though we are needy, though we are wheelchair bound, though we are unable to care for ourselves, God in grace calls us into his family in love. We are not the best prospects in the orphanage. It's not like some couples go through an orphanage and I'll take this one. This looks like the best one. God takes the worst ones, us. And God in his grace, in his love, says, I have a purpose for you. I, have, I will set you free from the bondage of sin and out of a life that can be nothing, he makes everything. That's the picture. That's the picture of being set free that Jesus is expressing here. We receive freedom in Christ, recognizing all our sin and misery is taken away and we can live for him. What a blessed hope we have received. Let's pray together.